Welcome to The Cutting Floor on the River's Edge Church Podcast, where each week we explore sermon topics that don't make it to the pulpit on Sunday. We hope that you will find this beneficial, and as always, encourage you to like and follow. Welcome to The Cutting Floor, and I I am Ross Grawl, the church planter and pastor at River's Edge Church, and with me is... Mark Wood. And we are excited to talk about today's topic. Um, For those who were able to listen to um, the sermon from this weekend, we are in the book of Habakkuk. And uh, yes, for those in the South, we pronounce it completely different. Um, Habakkuk is usually how it's pronounced from anybody I know from this side of the world. I was going to ask you to pronounce it that way, but thank you for bringing that up. Yes. No, we're excited about this book. Um, It's a small book in the uh, Minor Prophets section of the Bible, and um, I'm excited just to share some of the things we found this week. Yes, yes. Well, I I got a question for you, Ross. Mm -hmm. What do we know about Habakkuk? So it's interesting. So of all the Minor Prophets, there's not a lot of internal evidence about who Habakkuk is, and so we have to really lean on some of the um, apocryphal writings, and these are the writings specifically by Jewish writers post the minor prophets. Mm-hmm. So these aren't specifically treated like the rest of the Word of God, uh, where God specifically is speaking through the Holy Spirit, inspiring Scripture. It's more like what we see today, people who um, were pursuing God, following God, and their responses to what God says. And sometimes there's some expansion. So we've got a couple places that um, we see this. So one, there's a book that was written approximately 100 years to 150 years before Christ was born uh, called Bell the Dragon. Um, and this talks about Habakkuk being a uh, Levite. Okay. Um, so he's a priest. Um, actually, funny enough, he's the son of Jesus, but not the Jesus that we know, just uh-huh. a different random Jesus. Um, but he's actually uh, an integral part of the story of Daniel in this writing. Um, and then there's another book called The Lives of the Prophets. They think this was some sometime written around the same time. But this one actually says that he was an exile from the tribe of Simeon, which makes him not necessarily a priest, uh, or at least not from the priestly lineage. Hmm. Um, then there's another book called The Cedar Olam. Uh, this would be during the second century, give or take. Um, and here it just says that he was a prophet during the reign of Manasseh. Um, and then there's one other text called the medieval uh, Kabbalistic text um, called Sefer Hazophar. And this one, it goes off on a crazy tangent because it says that um, Habakkuk was the son of a Shunite woman um, and that who was raised by Elisha in 2 Kings. And this actually has to do with his name, which is something we'll talk about more in the strange facts. But it has to do with the fact that Habakkuk's name means to embrace. Mm-hmm. And so there's a section in 2 Kings where... Um, Elisha was said to embrace a young man, and it was—it's a whole name thing. So, um, but these are just some weird places that we get some of the information that is being considered across the you know across right. the span of time. But it's good to—it's good to do that research. Uh, it, it's also uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's also important to to rely on the the word of God primarily. Yeah. Uh, so it's a. It's an interesting. I just wanted to point that out. Oh, 100%. For people that are studying it with us. Yeah. Uh, well, and so that, that's where, you know, a lot of us don't ever consider the historical documents that that were existing, you know, around the time of the Bible or or post the writings of the Old Testament. 
just because it's not something we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good readings, but they're not God's word. And it's right. just hold them as you would any other historical document. Um, but it does give us an understanding of how the Jewish people read this, right? How they were receiving and teaching and 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 reflecting and meditating on God's word uh, and who these people are. Um, I right. made a point of noting in the sermon um, the fact that there isn't a lot of emphasis on the messenger means that the emphasis is on primarily God's message, right? Um, which I think gives it some you know a longevity of and a broader span. Sure. Well, you mentioned about knowing what the the Jewish, knowing the audience. Mm-hmm. What what is what is the audience of this particular scripture? Right. And and by by studying these these other books, these other writings, that gives us a better, more color mm-hmm. about who the audience is. Yep. Uh, which helps us better interpret the word itself. Yeah. So that's a neat exercise. Speaking of of the the Jewish folks that that this that were the audience of this, let's talk about the Jewish tradition. At the time. Yeah. Uh, So when we look at the Old Testament, it's not broken down the same way that it was within Jewish tradition. So in the Jewish tradition, there's there's really three big sections of books. And all of the minor prophets actually fall in what's called the Book of Twelve or the Book of Prophets. Um, And within that, uh, there's certainly been a lot of academic research and critical literary study for those who are into that. Um, but what this means is that there was certainly a focus of how the prophets were aligned together, like how they, how this book was built. So obviously all of these were written in the span of two to 300 years of each other in general. Mm. So, and these are the books we're talking about, like Obadiah, Zephaniah, Micah, Hosea, those books. Um, and they were, but they're brought together intentionally and they're, and they're put together and they're even edited uh, together. And so we don't ever think about like the editing process. Like mm-hmm. how do we know why is, why is Zephaniah the last book? Like why right. is, you know, Malachi where Mal- you know, like why are these books where they are? Uh, and there was a really, there was a lot of thought and a lot of time and a lot of really smart people who were being led by God to build this book a certain way. Um, and we never think about that. No, um, that's a good point, but it's, it's just important. It's just a thing to note, um, especially cause it's, it can become really, I find it that some people really struggle with that. Like they, the fact that they think that God wouldn't move in an editor as much as he would move in a writer seems almost blasphemous. And we were kind of raised that way. Like, you know, we think of Paul writing and no one ever touched his writings. Okay. But a lot of the old Testament was thousands of years old. Right. Um, even the, the, you know, the most recent thing written, which is close to the time Habakkuk wrote, you're still talking 500 years before Jesus. Yeah you know, was around. So editing isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, editing was, again, God using the Holy Spirit and imparting wisdom into people uh, so that the what God wanted, a finished product of the Holy Spirit Bible that we have now was available. Sure. Well, yeah, if you take that stance that that editing is, is messing with or potentially, mm-hmm. I mean, you could take that all to an extreme and say, well, then, preaching the word and interpreting the word in today's it, it, that's the same problem, you know, the mm-hmm. same thing. And that's, that's absurd, obviously. Oh yeah. And so just, you know, I always want to encourage people because especially with the way that literary critical analysis has been handled since the early 1900s mm-hmm. um, has, I think really dented and damaged faith. And really we should be encouraged by it. Cause one, we see people interacting with God's word 
very early. Uh, two, it also shows God can, was working through his Holy Spirit even you know, during those times as the books were being cared for and they were being copied. He, he was in charge. Right. You know? So it, it takes that weight off of having to have an original copy right. you know, per se. Right, right. So. Well, l- let's get strange. <laughs> <laughs> let's Stranger get strange. Things. Let's talk about some of the strange facts. Uh, yeah, so anytime I'm digging through, uh, you know, some of the research and some of the studies that I do for a book, there's always some weird things that come up, and I thought this was fascinating. So um, we talked earlier about the names meaning something, and I didn't realize this uh, like as a whole, but lots of prophets' names mean things. Um, and so they were, as I was looking through it, they actually started listing off some of these. And so Elijah was Yah is my God. So for those who would study Hebrew text or know a little bit about the, the ancient Hebrew uh, language. Yah was Yahweh. That's what, you know, it, it works. You understand it. But it's the, the Eli is the word for God. Um, and then Samuel, God hears. Um, Isaiah, God saves. Um, and then there's Habakkuk, which is either one of two things. It's either to embrace or a garden plant. One of the, whichever. You garden know, plant. A okay. garden plant. Um, not even a specific one, just in general, a garden plant. A garden plant. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, you know, so that's where that confusion and, and possibly where that idea from the Sefer Hosevar, which I mentioned earlier, um, had Elisha necessarily raising Habakkuk. Because uh, there's a passage in there where it talks about him embracing a child. And so it's, it's a pretty clear, you know, it, evident that, they took that as a literal name, not an action. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, they kind of think that's where that may have stemmed from. Um, second weird fact is, I, we don't think about this, but the reality that the, the entire book of the prophets was meant to be read together, and um, each part of those pieces were built on each other. So if, in some sense, it's almost weird that we just pick up part, like the fact that I just picked Habakkuk would be very weird to uh, the original Jewish audience. They'd be like, what are you doing? You don't read it that way. Right. You start at the beginning and you read through all 12 because right. it's all together. Um, mm. Now, mind you, uh, I didn't even consider that when I started. So now that I do it, I'm like, <laughs> did I do a wrong Oops, thing? what have I done? <laughs> um, but we just, that's not our understanding of God's word. Um, I don't think it's necessarily wrong or right, but it is good to know and possibly could help people as they read through the Bible. Maybe that's something you would think about as, as you break down the Bible reading them more in sections. You know, um, it's kind of like I always recommend people, if they can, when they read through the New Testament, especially the epistles, read the whole thing first mm-hmm. and then come and do your breakdown. But read it like it would be read as right. a letter, as a whole thing. You know, right. we like to chop up things like First Corinthians. It can get a little lengthy, but if you read the whole thing, you get a flow. Well, right. And well, and also the the languages, you know, the yeah. the, the Hebrew language and then the Greek language in, in the New Testament as well is... is punctuation mm-hmm. is, was different. I mean, yeah. you know, sentence structure, paragraphs, uh, mm-hmm. verses, that, that's a new construct oh, to yeah. make it understandable for us today, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it helps us get a better idea of that. So. I'm reading, I, I've enjoyed reading the book chronologically, reading mm-hmm. the Bible chronologically. That's another way to sort of yeah. group things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's good because, you know, ideally... You know, everybody would read the entirety of the Bible, and, right. and we would fortunately, you know, we have the access to be able to do it multiple times. So finding new ways to look at God's Word is 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 really good. It is. So, like I said, I I love the chronological view because yep. it changes. It helps you get a better idea of when things happened. Yep. 
Um, well, and also gives a perspective to things, a totally different perspective, like, aha, that makes sense now that I know that this was done previously. Right. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> what we, again, we're talking about uh, the, the, the early uh, Jews in this case, but let's go back to the, what the early Christians understood about Habakkuk. Right. So, you know, one of the things that we realized too is that there was, Obviously, Habakkuk was written far before Christianity. You know, at best, mm -hmm. it was 500, if not 700 years before. But it is good to always look back and see how the early church, the early patristic fathers, looked and expressed um, their beliefs about the even the Old Testament. We do it a lot with the New Testament, but we forget, man, like they had the one thing that they definitely had was the Septuagint, which is the mm -hmm. Greek version of the Old Testament. Um, and so we have some of that. So um, you know, there's a couple of guys that are really renowned for it. One was called Theod <laughs> Theodoret of Cyrus, which is a really hard to pronounce. That's it, yeah. Mm. Um, and he envisioned God's response to Habakkuk 2.4. Like, he, he has a little quote that says, The victim of a wavering attitude to the premises made by me is unworthy of my care. Mm. Um, which is a really fancy way of saying um, when we don't trust God and we focus everything inward, then we're diminishing the outward work of God. Mm. So, um, you know, across the board, the patristic fathers, most of them looked at Habakkuk as a way of understanding the suffering that they were enduring. So that, that's really key. What's funny is that one of the primary people who actually really detested this book, which we I find it interesting, like throughout history, there was always a really popular church father that didn't like a book in the Bible hmm. um, or several. Um, most famously would be Martin Luther and his view on James. Martin Luther thought James was trash. Like he even said it. He was like, I will not read this book. I don't <laughs> like it. It's, it's doo-doo. So um, <laughs> that was his view of it. Um, so the early church father, Jerome, hated this book. Um, and he actually quote, he says, For no one has dared with so bold a voice to challenge God to debate about justice and say to him, why is such great iniquity involved in the realities of human fear and the, in the administration of the world? He didn't hold back. He was like, man, like, who are you? In fact, he actually was, he, he was known and considered Habakkuk as being unfaithful. Wow. Um, which is, again, an unusual look because most of us, most of the writers in the, um, at that time and even throughout most of the Christian history never really looked at and considered him as unfaithful. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned in the sermon uh, on Sunday that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Habakkuk, basically, it's a book of complaining. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess Jerome is looking at that as right. being... And it would be interesting, the one thing I didn't get to do this week, just for lack of time, was to see if his same thoughts were considered the same way in places like Lamentations and some of the Psalms. I mean, I always find it interesting that some of the of the really well psalms are they start out with god where are you mm -hmm. why is this happening you're letting all the enemies come forth on me and 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 be victorious right. and here i am faithful and well, you're ignoring me well they're lamenting yeah lamentations we have an entire book called lamentations yeah <laughs> right. um and so it's it's yeah. yeah it's one of those things where Across church history, Habakkuk was always considered a really useful thing, especially early in those first three, four hundred years where oppression was happening. Every basically every ten years, there was a massive, you know, uh, move to extinguish most of Christianity. Sure. Um, they a lot of these 
early teachers really leaned into Habakkuk because it was a way of voicing their own struggles. Um, but it was interesting to see like a guy like Jerome who would be martyred, you know, and yeah. he was like, man, Habakkuk shouldn't even be trying to complain. <laughs> Crazy. Right. Right. So. Excellent. Well, we just got started. So, yeah. uh, as we continue on with Habakkuk, let's, why don't we talk about, uh, the next few weeks, uh, lay it out for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Habakkuk's not a very long book. That's it's three chapters. Um, but it's broken down in a couple of ways. So, um, there's a series of conversations. So there's a complaint and then there's a divine response and then there's a divine, another complaint and then another divine response. And then the most of chapter three is this prayer. Uh, and it's, it's very psalmic and it's very beautiful. Um, and it's, um, I mentioned on Sunday, like the two, the two things that this, you know, particular Oracle is supposed to do for us and for what it was supposed to do for Israel was one, it was supposed to show and explain God's movement in amongst his creation. And then it was also to guide the response. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, it is interesting that the largest part of this book is the, the final response, uh, the part that takes up the most. So, um, you know, over the next three weeks, we'll be looking at that. Um, I know next week we'll also be venturing into some apologetics that come along with this. Um, and I mentioned it during the sermon. Um, so if you catch that, um, we'll be looking a little bit at the, basically the Epicurean fallacy for those who are familiar with that, but just in general, the problem of evil. Mm -hmm. How does, how do we reconcile a good God who's all powerful yet evil exists? Yeah. And, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen yeah. to good people? Yeah. So next week we'll spend probably a little more time oriented there because I think it'll Great. it'll work really well with our sermon alignment. So, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think that's pretty much all of our questions for today. Yep, I'm out of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll continue to um, you know work on as we bring more things next week and the, and the week after just to shine a little, a little deeper perspective of, of Habakkuk in this this wonderful, small, but useful book in the lives of most of us. Um, and so, like I said, hope you guys are benefited from today, and we look forward to talking with you guys next week. So be blessed. Be blessed, and uh, go serve the kingdom. Y'all have a good Amen. one. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the River's Edge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, check us out on our webpage at www.theriversedge.church.